Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Well, y'all missed when the lights went out. He swung that mop of a hair and got my whole face wet. (laughs) Very jealous of that hair. Welcome in. So glad that you're here. Today we are continuing this series we've been in for the last few weeks called Someone is Missing. And the whole idea behind this series is the reality that about two-thirds of self-confessed, born-again Christians don't even believe that the Holy Spirit exists as a person in their life. And so we're trying to change that uh, through this series, doing a deep dive into the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And this week, we're going to talk about one of the biggest questions that I think many of us struggle with when it comes to the Spirit. And that is, how do we determine what the Spirit wants? How do we determine what following the Spirit looks like? Because that's not an option for us. Like, we are called to do this. We are called to follow after the Spirit. In fact, we're going to dive back into Galatians chapter 5. Again, we looked at this last week about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to point out four lines that were intertwined in those verses that you may, you may have just easily missed. Look at what it says. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. But if you are led by the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. These are four expectations for those of us who are followers of Jesus. You are to walk by the Spirit, which means that the Spirit is moving in a direction and you should be going with Him. That's what it means. You are to be led by the Spirit. That means where the Spirit is going, you should be following. We are to live by the Spirit, which means that your life should look different with the Spirit of God in you than it did before you had the Spirit of God in you. And lastly, it says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Wherever He goes, you're going with Him. That these are the expectations for people who claim to follow Jesus. So I think if, again, if you've been in church world, if you're a follower, you already know this piece. Like you already feel this, this angst that you should be doing this stuff. The issue isn't that I should be doing this. The question is, how do I do this? 
How do I walk by the Spirit? How, how am I to be led by the Spirit? How do I live by the Spirit? The issue is, how am I supposed to follow when I have a, I have a hard time even knowing what he's wanting me to do? In fact, let me ask, how many of you all have ever at some point had a decision that you were trying to make, maybe a job opportunity you were interested in, maybe it was a spouse of some big decision you were making and you just prayed and prayed and prayed and said, God, show me your will. Show me what you want. Please help me understand what you want me to do in this situation. You prayed and you prayed, but you just had a hard time figuring out what the Lord wanted. How many of y'all have ever had that moment? Yeah, I think most of us, if we're honest, we've been there. And, and the issue isn't that we don't want to hear. The issue isn't that we don't want to obey. Like we want to know and we want to obey. It's just we, we just have a hard time no, trying to figure out what the Lord wants for us. So today I want to share with you four things that we can do that I think will help us to fulfill these commands. Like these are commands. These are things you're expected to do. Walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. I want to give you four things today that I think will help us to do these things in our life on a regular basis. So here they are. The first one is really simple. If you want to be led by the Spirit and live by the Spirit, then you got to make the Spirit's mission your mission. You got to make the Spirit's mission your mission. Make it your mission to do what the Spirit did, which is to glorify Jesus. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that the Holy Spirit really has one goal. That is to glorify Jesus. That's why the Holy Spirit exists. Everything else that he does in our life for us and through us is to accomplish the task of bringing glory to Jesus, which means that if you are going to keep in step with him, you have to be about what he is about. If you're going to follow the spirit, you're going to have to glorify Jesus, which means following the spirit, being obedient to the spirit, it begins with doing exactly what we just witnessed today surrendering your life to Jesus. It starts with you laying down your life and making your mission to glorify Jesus every day. That's where it has to begin. Nothing else you do matters until you surrender yourself to Jesus. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. He, the first place he's always going to lead you is to, to, to surrender to Jesus. Now, the good news is, once you have done that piece, once you have surrendered to Jesus, the next step the Spirit is going to call you to is actually a lot of freedom. There's a lot of freedom in following after the Spirit. You have freedom, so much freedom in your life. Once you've decided that I'm going to leverage my life to honor Jesus, there is a lot of freedom. So let me, let me try to help you think of it this way. How many of you um, grew up hearing that the Lord has a perfect plan for your life? How many of y'all ever heard that? The Lord, uh, he's got a perfect will for your life, perfect plan for your life. Yeah, many of us have heard this, right? This is the language. Like, I want to be smack dab in the middle of God's will. Now, that's the idea, that God has a will and you don't want to veer from it. 
We use this language, God has a will and I don't want to veer from it. And sometimes it plays out like this. We, we get this idea in our mind that, that we're born, okay? And for the first, I don't know, 10, 15, 18 years of your life, you don't have much choice about what you're going to do with your life. Frankly, your parents do, right? They drag you around, make you do this, make you go there, stop you from doing that because parents are the worst, okay? So you don't have, you're not making very many decisions for the first several years. But then you have the moment where it's time to go off to college or to do whatever it is you're going to do. And this is where this is where things can go sideways, right? Because I've, I've got options, right? I'm either going to go to this college or this college. God, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? Because if I go down to here, like the perfect will of God is I go to this college and then here I meet a lady named Julie and me and Julie, we fall in love and we get married. And then we graduate from college and, we, and she wants to move closer to her parents. So we move back to Vermont where her parents live. And there I run into one of her high school friends. She connects me to a guy named Devin and Devin helps me get a job up in Mount Pelier. And I take this job in Mount Pelier. And so this is the career path that I've chosen. And, and while we're in Mount Pelier, we get connected to this great church called uh, Life Point Christian Church there in Mount Pelier. And we start a family and we have a couple of kids. And one of our kids gets connected to a guy named Trevor, the youth pastor at the church there in Mount Pelier. And he's passionate about world missions. And so my daughter then gets passionate about world missions and decides that she's going to leverage her life for the kingdom. And she decides that God's called her to go to Cambodia because there are 19 unreached people groups in Cambodia. And so my daughter goes to Cambodia to reach one of those 19 unreached people groups. And she shares the gospel. And that whole community hears about the gospel for the very first time. Now, that's a story. Like this is now, But the problem is with every one of these little junctures, I can make a wrong move. Marry Amy instead of Julie. If I go to this guy, but it all starts back here. And I decide I'm not going to go to that college. I'm going to go to this college, which means instead of meeting Julie, I marry Mary. And Mary, too, wants to go live by her family. And so we end up having to go to Abilene, which feels like a step back. That feels like. <laughs> so we go to Abilene. And now I'm stuck in Abilene. And because I'm in Abilene, I never meet Devin. I meet Donnie. Donnie's next door. We raise our kids and I have another daughter, but it's a different daughter than I have with Julie. This daughter didn't exist because I married Mary instead. And so now I'm Donnie next door. My daughter becomes best friends with Donnie's daughter, Donna. And instead of getting passionate about world missions, she becomes passionate about barrel racing. All right. And so we just spend all of our weekends going barrel racing all over the country. And that's great because she gets a lot of ribbons, but she grows up to be a rodeo queen instead of missionary. And now all of these people who are supposed to hear the gospel never get to hear it. Like this feels like a lot of pressure to get this figured out. It feels like a lot of, of pressure. And I think many of us, we feel this pressure 
Because we know, we know that somewhere along the line, we messed up. Like, you know, unequivocally, there was a direction that the Lord was calling you to, and you went the other way, and you can't go back. So we have this linear picture of the will of God, and we, we just missed it. And there's this nagging sense in us that now we're living this kind of second-rate, third-rate, fourth-rate kind of life because there's no way for us to get back to the middle of God's will. I want to share with you a different picture than this, okay? I want to share a different imagery for you, an imagery that I hope will give you a little more peace about the path that you've been on. I want to replace this linear idea of the will of God with one that looks like this. I want you to think about your life as a, as a canvas. And that God has given you this amazing canvas. And for you as an individual, God has given you this canvas and he's equipped you with different color paints and brushes than anyone else has on the planet. That he's equipped you with different skills and abilities, resources and relationships, personality traits and passions. And he gave you a specific gift of the spirit, the very gift of himself to use for his glory. And he says, with all that has been given to you in this palette, I just want you to paint me something beautiful. Paint some mountains, paint a river. I'm no Bob Ross up here. Paint, paint something beautiful with your life. That's the imagery that I want you to think about. That God has given you this canvas. And he says, use all the tools and resources I've given you and paint something beautiful. And when you have that kind of mindset, when it comes to all of the big life decisions, we get to filter them in a different way. The, the, the filter now becomes what magnifies Jesus? What magnifies Jesus? And that's what the border of the canvas represents. Like anything inside the canvas, anything that magnifies Jesus, you have freedom to put in here anything you want. As long as it magnifies Jesus. If it doesn't magnify Jesus, then you're coloring off the canvas. And that's not God's will for you. So the question becomes, does it magnify Jesus? And if it does, then you're free. Go for it. If it doesn't, then you are outside of the Spirit's leading because he's only going to lead you to do things that magnify Jesus. So let me give you just a couple of examples. When you're trying to decide, what am I going to do with my life? And you're, you're wrestling with, I'm either going to be a pastor or an engineer. Well, the question becomes, can you, which one of these can you use to magnify Jesus? Can you magnify Jesus as a pastor? I hope so. <laughs> can you magnify Jesus as an engineer? Do we need godly engineers? And the answer is absolutely. And so now you, you say that both of them can magnify Jesus. So the Lord says, well, then use whatever gifts and abilities, traits and personalities, passions and resources that fit you best. And if that's the path, then go do it to the glory of God. Now, 
If the options that you're considering is, I'm going to either be an engineer or sell feet pics to weirdos on the internet. Like, I think only one of those magnifies Jesus. Only one of those is going to fit on the canvas. If you're buying a car and you've determined, here's what I need and here's what I can afford. And it comes down to if I'm either going to buy the red one or the blue one. You have freedom. Whichever one you want. Now, if you have two options and one of the options fits your need and your budget, but the other one will cause you to to be put under financial stress and in a financial hole and actually remove the margin of your life that keeps you from actually being generous to the Lord and to others, and it doesn't really fit your need and more feeds your ego, then it's pretty pretty easy to determine which one honors Jesus. This applies to every major decision. Should I spend the money or save the money? Well, which one magnifies Jesus in this season of your life? Should I marry this girl or not marry this girl? Well, would this marriage magnify Jesus? And if you're a follower of Jesus and they are not, then the answer would be clearly no. It wouldn't honor Jesus. Should I buy this house or buy that house? Should I take this job or take that job? Should I watch this show or watch that show? Should I vote for this candidate or for that candidate? Should I send my kids to this school or that school or no school? And the question becomes, well, which one of these magnifies Jesus? And if the answer is any of them could be used to magnify Jesus, then great. Then use whichever one you want. Whatever passions and desires and resources and abilities and skills that the Lord has given you in this season, paint something beautiful. Something that honors the Lord. Now, I think there, should, there may be a season where this portrait that you're painting is more of a paint by numbers. Where the spirit directs you, I want you to do this one thing in this place with these people at this time for this season. And it's very clear, this is really important, that this part of the portrait is a paint by number and you should get that one right. But the rest of them, you have freedom. But I think this is more of the exception than the rule. More than anything else, he just says, Leverage what I've given you to magnify Jesus. So this is the first and foremost filter to run everything through when it comes to us understanding the will of God in our life. Here's the second thing we got to do. If we want to follow him, if we want to be led by him, if we want to live like him, we want to keep in step with him, we have to read his word. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The spirit does not just speak subjectively to us. He speaks objectively through his word. He has given us his word so that we know there's a lot of things that he's already, we don't even have to pray about because he's already told us, do these things, don't do these things. Got it. Wrote it down so, so you can always have it. It's in your pocket. You don't have to pray about it. There's this old adage, never complain that God is silent with your Bible closed. It's like complaining that nobody ever texts me while my phone's off. 
Like there's so many people who will say that they want to hear a word from the Lord, but never actually open up the word of the Lord. Do you really want to hear from him? And open up his word. Here's what you need to know. He really does speak to us through his word. He really does. Famous pastor named A.W. Tozer put it this way. He says, the Bible is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. It's still speaking. I love how Paul puts it, 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is God-breathed breathed. When we open up the Bible, we find more than 750,000 words breathed out by the God of the universe that have been saved for us. The Spirit uses those words to speak into our life and tell us exactly what we need to hear. There are dozens of people in our midst today who can attest to a time in their life when they were longing to hear a word from the Lord and they opened up their Bible and in the midst of the the word, they read a passage that they'd read dozens of times, but in that moment, God spoke in a way that he had never spoken before and, and words popped off the page that answered the question that they were struggling with in that moment. Because God still speaks through his word. Hebrews 4 says it this way, for the word of God is alive and it is active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges. It actively judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. It is a living word. It isn't a dead word. And the more fluent you are in his word, the easier you'll know when he's speaking. We have to become fluent in the word that the spirit has given us so that we can know when the spirit is speaking to us. Which brings us to the third thing we have to do. We got to listen for his voice. Like, I believe that the Bible is clear that the Spirit can and does speak to people in powerful and personal ways. I don't believe that necessarily means you're going to hear an audible voice of God. But I do believe that you should expect to hear the Spirit speak to you. I believe we should expect that. In fact, in the book of Revelation, there are seven letters at the beginning of the book of Revelation written to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And in the midst of every one of these letters that Jesus writes to the churches, there's this refrain that keeps showing up. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Notice it does not say, whoever has eyes, let them read what the Spirit says to the churches. It says, if they have ears, let them hear. This line is repeated seven times. And there are multiple times in scriptures where we are told to test the spirits. 
That when we hear a word from the Lord, we are to test the spirits. If there was no expectation that the spirit would be speaking to us, there would be no command that we would test the spirits to see if it was the Lord speaking to us. That idea of testing the spirits is a recognition that the spirit is going to speak to us, but there are also going to be other spirits who are going to be trying to speak to us. We're going to want to influence us. And we have to be able to discern which ones are from God and which ones are not from God. And again, if there was no expectation that the spirits would be speaking, the command would be ignore all the spirits and just open up your Bible. That's not the command. It is test them. And the way that we test them is we run everything that's coming from the spirit through the revealed word of God. If what we're hearing does not align with the purpose and passion of the Spirit, if it disagrees with what he's already revealed in his word, then we know it's not the Spirit of God. So I do believe that the Spirit wants to speak to us. And I believe that the Spirit will speak through impressions that we feel. Sometimes we call these a check in our spirit or having peace about a decision, or not having peace about a decision. I believe he speaks through these out-of-the-blue thoughts that just jump into your head. Have you ever had those? Where, where all of a sudden you're just living your life, and then a person that you haven't thought about in three years comes blasting into your brain, and you're like, I haven't thought about them for years. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but you should call them right now. You mean now? Yes, now. I believe the Holy Spirit does that. I believe he speaks through our conscience and pushes us in one direction and away from another direction. I believe that he speaks through people who share wisdom with us. Have you ever had that moment where somebody comes up and says, I just need to tell you this thing. And I don't know why, but there it is. And they drop uh, just a bomb in your lap and they walk away and they have no idea the impact of those words and what a blessing they are because they tell you the very thing that you needed to hear. I believe that's the work of the spirit. I believe he speaks through our circumstances where one door closes and another one opens. I believe there are some who actually hear the voice of the Lord. They hear the Holy Spirit in audible ways and I've not experienced that. But I know people who claim to and I have no reason to doubt that the Holy Spirit can do that. He does all of these things. How do I know? Because, because the, the scriptures point to all of them. We see examples of all of them in the scriptures. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. But we have to learn to recognize his voice. And we also have to be quiet enough to listen. And I think this may be one of the biggest issues for Christians in the modern West is that we're scared of silence. And we're waiting for the thunderbolt from the sky when the scripture says the Lord speaks in a still small voice, the gentle whisper, not the earthquake. And I think for far too many of us, we've actually just not made space to actually hear the voice of the spirit because we have no room for silence. All we do is create noise in our life. 
We have the TV on and the radio on all the time. And even if it's not something everybody else hears, we put in our AirPods and we listen to a podcast or an audio book or like there's never silence. We're scared of silence. We'll, I listen to podcasts in the shower. Like we're just so weirded out. If you want to hear from the Lord, we got to make, we got to make room for the spirit to speak so that we can actually hear him. Here's what I know. If you make it your practice to just sit and listen, you will begin to hear him more and more. If your life is geared toward, I want to love and magnify Jesus. Spirit, help me to do that. The spirit will open your eyes to see more and better and different ways to do that every day. Ways that you'd never thought of on your own. Think back to a young Samuel who actually heard the voice of the Lord, but he didn't recognize it. Didn't know it was him. And an old wise sage said, hey, go back and just, when you hear the voice, here's what I want you to say. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And I wonder how much our lives would be different if we just made that a habit of our life every day. Just to wake up and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then setting enough quiet to actually hear his voice. Let me add one caveat to this. Again, everything you hear has to be ran through the filter of what you read. If what you hear does not align with what you read, it isn't the spirit of God. Always trust what you read before you trust what you hear. Because we have to test the spirits. Let me share one more thing we need to do. If we're going to live by the spirit, if we're going to be led by the spirit, if we're going to walk by the spirit. We have to obey him. You got to obey him. Like, don't, don't miss this. It isn't enough for us to believe in him. It even, isn't even enough for us to hear from him. It isn't enough for us to even have powerful encounters with him. At the end of the day, you have to obey him. That's literally what it means when it says, keep in step with the spirit. When the spirit tells you to do something, you take a step. That's literally what we're talking about by keeping in step with the spirit. Far too many of us hear from the Lord, whether it's through something we read, through something that is preached, through some inner conviction that we have, maybe even a voice in our head, and we hear from the Lord and we take a posture of, ah, I know what you're saying and I thank you for saying it, I will take that under advisement. I've got a slew of people I'm talking to about that, and I'll add your comments to the list as I work through what's the wise next choice for me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But that isn't an option for us. If we want to keep in step with the Spirit, the only option when we hear from the Spirit in any area of our life is to say, yes, Lord, and obey. That's the option. And I just need you to know that doing this is not going to be easy. It's just not. Because if you're truly being led by the Spirit, the Spirit is going to lead you places where you do not want to go. 
In fact, I think that may be the best way to know if you're actually being led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit will take you places you don't want to go. Take you places you would not go naturally. That's how you actually know it's the Holy Spirit. One of the core values that we have here at Quad City, you can see them out in the lobby here in Prescott or uh, out in front of the uh, school there in Prescott Valley is that we do the hard things. And the heartbeat of that is simply this, that obeying him is going to be hard. We're going to have to do things that we don't want to do. He's going to cause us, call us to serve people that we don't want to serve. And he's going to call us to love people who are hard to love. He's going to call us to sacrifice in ways we don't want to sacrifice and to forego pleasure that we want to pursue, to have awkward conversations that we would rather avoid, to give away possessions that we'd rather keep, to give up hobbies that we really like, to put others before ourselves and to relinquish comfort that we would rather retain. If you are keeping in step with the Spirit, you're going to have to obey Him. And why would we be surprised that the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to go places and to do things that, that are going to be hard? That's been his MO from the beginning. Do you remember that story of Jesus being led into the wilderness, be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights? You remember that story? It begins with, and, and he was led by the Spirit into the desert. That's how it started. The Spirit led him there. Peter and John were led to share the gospel in a way that got them flogged and thrown into jail. Paul was picked by the Spirit to go on a mission to share the gospel that would get him imprisoned and shipwrecked and bound and beaten and imprisoned again and again and again. You remember the story of Stephen? Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he obeyed the Holy Spirit and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus. And he was so filled with the Holy Spirit that the, the scriptures say that those who stood against him didn't stand a chance. And he did exactly what the Spirit called him to do. And it got him murdered in the street. Because he was led by the Spirit. Every one of the disciples were led to take up their cross and lay down their lives. That's what it means to follow after the Spirit. If you're never led to do anything hard, you're probably not being led by the Spirit. It doesn't matter what we know. It doesn't really matter what we believe. At the end of the day, when it comes to being led by the Spirit, it only matters what you do. So here's the things that we have to do to be led by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. We got to make His mission our mission. We got to determine I'm going to live my life to honor and glorify Jesus every day. And that becomes the filter for every decision that I make. I got to read his word. I got to be so fluent in the word and the passions and the desires and the purpose of the Holy Spirit that I recognize his voice every time because I've heard it so many times. Then I got to make time to listen for his voice. And then lastly, I got to obey him. We got to obey him. Again, why would the Holy Spirit want to give you the mission of your life to keep telling you what your next, uh, what, what the will of God is when you won't even do the will of God you already know? 
Why would you expect him to keep revealing God's will when he has given it to you and you say, I don't like that one? Why would he give you more? If we want to be led by the Spirit, we got to obey what he's already told us before we ask him to give us any more. So, which of these are you missing? And which one are you going to change this week? Father, we are grateful that you have given us your spirit who will give us these next steps. You promised that. So I pray that you would make so clear for us what our next step is by the power of the spirit that you've put in us. Give us the courage to obey in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.